Hello and broadcasting from the beautiful like central that. coast of California. Yeah. It's the Dr. Death Radio Show. Yep. That's how we do it. Cool, dude. It's like scenarios like, what if you noticed that I came in? Of course I noticed you came in. I heard your footsteps, oh, but he okay. didn't say nothing. So I was like, okay, he wants, he just pooped. So he just wants to sit in the chair. Yeah. I just started. And we're here. Such a good theme song. I'm glad I wrote it. I did it for real, Zeus. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Triple D Radio Show with your hosts and boys, James and Edward. Ed, what's good? Also, quick reminder, we have timestamps in the description if you ever just want to jump to any part of the show. Don't worry. You do not hurt my feelings because I would do the same exact thing too. But either way, Ed, what's good? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired too. Uh, you had a long couple days. I've had a long uh, few days as well, but differently. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's been pretty cool. Uh, I saw Metallica last week. They were great. They yeah, killed you it. Saw Metallica. They're the best. How was it in the world? How did you see Pantera? Okay, so I did want to talk about the podcast. I'll try to keep it quick. So the first day, try had the, to. We got a couple first, stories. The first day. Uh, had the better opening acts. Mammoth run by Wolfgang Van Halen. Yeah, how was that? Really fun. So I've kept up with them. Uh, I listened you to their first album. About, yeah, yeah, I listened to their first album when it came out. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then I didn't even know their second album came out. But fun live, dude. I'll tell you, it's crazy. He has his dad's hands. When he does the guitar solos and he starts doing the finger tapping thing, I'm like, dude, it's just like his dad. Hey, oh, wait, is Eddie here? Oh, wait, no, that's his fat son. <laughs> Thick, James. Let's be Thick PC son. here. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, no, real fun. And Pantera, you know, I'll say this. I know, and trust me, I get it, okay? Pantera's I a know, lot of controversies. I Unless know. Unless you're a diehard metalhead and you, like, just care for riffs and you don't care for, like, you know. The stuff. Quote, unquote, politics. Politics. Keep politics out of metal. Keep Paul even. <laughs> oh, no. When you have the great rants of, like, Phil and Salmo. We need like, to keep politics out of heavy metal music. Hey, what's your favorite Metallica album? And Justice for All. Justice okay. for All. Now, I could tell you about these rappers, all right? <laughs> keep politics out of metal. What's one of your favorite metal bands? Megadeth. Okay. Okay, buddy. But yeah, no, you know, I know we I clown. It, on, I know we clown on them. Info and Wars. We clown on them, bro. Actually, TBH. Huh? You want to watch a boring interview? The Infowars <laughs> interview with Dave Mustaine. Oh no, they, I've seen that. Before, I was like, because it's like ancient, and it's. I was like, dude. Oh damn, this seems it would be wacky. <laughs> And they talk about nothing. They talk about nothing. They talk about nothing. Except Literally, the John Schaefer interview was more interesting. Damn. Maybe. 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 But yeah, so, you know, I know we clown on them and their fans a lot. And don't get me wrong, they deserve it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and, and when they, especially when they started playing the hits, I still like Pantera, like their music and stuff. And there was a couple ones I wish they played. They didn't play like Domination. They didn't play like Heresy or they teased playing Cemetery Gates, but it was just for a little nostalgic video package of the old Pantera. It's basically their old videotapes you could just find on YouTube. Yeah. They cut out some of the other stuff they said and did in that. But, uh -huh. but it was fun. You know, it was, uh, Phil performed barefoot. Yeah. And uh, he looked like he was chewing gum the entire show. Yep. But he still Walking commanded around the circle stage. But he still commanded Did you a see presence. Jason Momoa slamming, washing. 
who all who also apparently down there was I don't know if they were in Snake Pit, but apparently the Miz was at that show. Yeah, okay. And so was Dane Cook. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of it was cool, cool to see Phil. Zach played the parts well. You know, when we were in high school, you know, because people were always like, Oh, Pantera should do a thing. Zach Wild was always tapped to be the one to take over for Dimebag. So and Charlie played Beninate played the parts well, it was a lot of fun. Nightwell Metallica was pretty cool. This is how they opened. They open, uh, you know, they do their, you know, the ecstasy of gold thing, of course. And then they open with um, uh, excuse me, sorry. They open up with uh, Creeping Death. All right. The classic, you know. For night one, right? Yes, night one. Then now, they, the, you, now these were two totally different sets, correct? Yes, they uh they they called it mm -hmm. uh they called it the no repeat weekend because well, any songs they played on night one, um <clears throat> they did not play on night two. So they start with Which night had Master of Puppets? Night one. Oh, all right. It's funny because uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Night one. The night play two have Enter Sandman? Yeah. Okay. Because. <laughs> I called it. No, because literally, literally night one, they play Seek and Destroy. It's late in the set. And I'm like, okay, I know the show's wrapping up and they're building this. I'm like, it's either Master or Sandman. It's either Puppets or Sandman. And it was Puppets. So I have the. Um, you wrote down the set list. No, I didn't write down the set list, but you can find set lists and stuff pretty. Uh, pretty pretty easy on here so they went from well i mean i still remember but they went from creeping death and then check this out check out this wombo combo they go from they go from creeping death they play harvester of sorrow which i was hyped about because i've always loved that song. all right cool yeah and then they jump in the leper messiah all right <laughs> i was like damn and, you know there's, there's a couple cool things you know uh, i won't go to the whole thing but i'll tell you but uh night one was really rad because uh they busted out orion hard that was aw oh, dude and like, here, like fuck yes and here's the thing you know of course uh, here's the thing there's always little now, did they play battery all night one they didn't play battery at all either night they also didn't damn. play unforgiven damn it's kind of crazy when you think what about a weird it. ass set yeah i know but uh not going through the whole set but just pointing out some things uh night one the other big highlight i mean it was great anyway but um the the other big highlight from night one was um they played the day that never comes which mm. i hopped for and then <clears throat> it was just like yes yeah yeah no i was going yeah but you know the yeah. song starts off all yeah doo -doo 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 -doo. and i'm like let's go <laughs> um, right next to your dad you're just like an explosion your energy and your dad's just like cool man dude my dad has been to a lot of concerts but there were times during that set you know because because there, there was actually like mosh pits and stuff and from our from from our seats we could like see them like throughout the floor area and there were some times where i just saw my dad he's what he's he's going back and forth between watching the stage watching the mosh pits and he just has this look of like just pure awe and admiration on his face and this guy's like 70 and the fact that you know out of all the shows he's seen in his life the fact that metallica can like just make him just have this look of almost whimsy about him at the show i'm like damn that's powerful and then quickly going through night two they opened up with whiplash which is fucking sick yeah they go in yeah, that's where we saw the videos of like aquaman moshing oh, okay okay gotcha and then they go from from the bell tolls and then they go from whom the bell tolls ride the lightning into dirty window Oh, I'm on dirty window. 
Uh, you know, is that the only St. Anger song? That is, unfortunately. They didn't play a single song off of Load, which pisses me off because there are two songs off of Reload that they are guaranteed to play. They always play Memory Remains. They always play Fuel. So even though I think Load's the better record, according to the canon, Reload's the more memorable record. Because it's got fuel mm-hmm. and because it's had. And unfortunately. Does it also have Until It Sleeps? No, that's the first one. All right. You know, but uh, that's a different rant. And then just going through it, they played Call of Cthulhu. With, and then after Call of Cthulhu, they busted out No Leaf Clover. That was cool. All right. And then. Uh, and then uh, That's. Wait, that's Reload, right? No, that was the song they made specifically for S&M. Oh. And then the last, and then the last, oh, okay. And then the last four songs was pretty, was pretty, a pretty good combo. Uh, Five Fire with Fire, which I wasn't expecting, and uh, in, in the Whiskey in the Jar, and then one in Enter Sandman. And the thing, the problem with Metallica is that, yeah, like, even though I literally just saw two separate two hour concerts from them, I could still think of like, 10 or 20 songs I still would have liked to have heard not as a knock on the show but because now hey, you this just might picky. be a surprise but Metallica has a lot of good fucking songs you guys yeah there's a lot of songs even from the first four albums I could probably get 10 songs out of them I wanted to see you know but no no regrets it was it was great <coughs> got a little sick there but I'm recovering oh don't worry shit you're just every about- time I go to LA I feel or the SoCal area I feel like I come back kind of sick it's just coming I thought it was just Jake's place being cursed but no it's the whole freaking county yeah dude it's just a little travel cold all right just gotta have yourself some elderberry gummies <laughs> also carry your echinacea shot believe me because while you were also seeing Metallica <laughs> I was in LA that's right and I played a fucking show with like uh, play like a garbage backyard kind of like grind show. Was it in like East LA. Los? No, it was or in Hemet. No, it was in Central LA. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was in Vernon. Upgrade, I think. Not really. Okay. <laughs> we played in like this random industrial lot that just had a bunch of storage unit for like pallets and shit. Yeah. yeah. Now, thankfully, the building over had big lights and it made it look like we we're playing in Dodger Stadium. Not really. That's kind of sick. It was fucking trashy. That's a sick visual. Like, it was a DIY show, but there was, like, up to over, like, 500 ki- ch- kids there. That's cool. Any of the fucking memes you think of? Balloons. Fucking <laughs> just trashy attitude. Slipknot shirts. Fucking the Chromebook. Like, a kid recording all the sets on his fucking school's, like, Chromebook. Was this basically just the Channel 5 video? Sure. <laughs> basically. It was kind of like that vibe. Who knows? Maybe there was a thousand kids. Maybe. I don't know, but there was if a, lo- there was a was, lot of kids. Was dog. that the biggest crowd you've played in front of, Technically, maybe? yes. Damn. I'm sure I played at least in front of like 300 kids. Now, was I able to see all of them where I was at? No, because when I played my set, it was like an eighth of it, and I got I was like getting fucking, my body felt a little stiff on that set. I don't know. That, the band I played, that band I used to play in, though, I feel like sets are a little hard on that one. That one's Disc Yeah, no, that was uh, Soars. Oh, Soars, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which I was just sitting there, I was like, at first the show I thought was going to be more trashier, because I had a lot more shittier bands that yeah. I was like damn <laughs> but luckily a lot a couple bands dropped and then we had like two good bands hop on the bill septic fumes and shit brains mm. so which I was fucking stoked on 
And then like, no, like literally, cause like after the homies that put on that show, Casket Mush, like after their set, there was just like a fucking constant brawl that was going on. Oh, obviously wow. I was like off- an actual like brawl. Yeah. Fight? Like, dude, there was just a lot of fights going on. Okay. Yeah. And I was just like chilling. Totally I was right. just chilling in the back trying to avoid it. I was like sitting there with my little warm up station and like, well, like the second bit, like the band after Casket Mush was setting up bodily still, I was like talking to like shit brains or so. Cause I was going like, Hey, when you guys coming up to slow, <laughs> I know necropsy odors. You gotta try bringing you guys up. It was good. When I mean, you guys are trying to come out to slow, I'm trying to think. And they were like, and they were like trying to tell me it's like, oh, oh no. I was like, no. If this is in April, don't tell me. I'm not supposed to know. I'm supposed to play a show in April that I'm supposed to know nothing about. So I'm supposed to. That's kept like a super duper. I'm supposed secret. to play a show in April that I'm supposed to know nothing about. Yes. Okay. I just have to know I'm playing. Got you. And I was like, "Where you guys? If it's April, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me." And I was sitting there, and I was gonna about to ask him. Watch, how, you guys are gonna be on Tank Crimes Three. Yeah, I was gonna ask him either how their trip to Japan was or their trip to playing of Scene Extreme, but then like the brawl then broke out, broke out right next to my snare back in the back area where we're hanging out, and like oh, fucking like shit. all these bodies were there. I was like, "Oh damn!" And I realized. Holy shit, my snare is in the middle of those bodies. <laughs> and I was like, oh my fucking God. So Please I was tell like, me you had to start fighting, dude. No, I was sitting there. I was like, oh my God, my snare. And I go over. Thankfully, there was a lot of people that was like, oh my God, get the snare out of here. Okay, good. But there was like some people that were going to try to grab it and maybe use it as a weapon. Okay, not going to lie. That'd be kind of hype. I was like, no, that would suck because I just put a new fucking. Well, it sucked for you because you I have s- to pay for new stuff. Yeah, but. no, I just put a new snare head on it too. Oh, but luckily, oh, the smexy white top. Yeah, no, 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 no. You said your snare. Never yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I like freaking. I just literally put a new snare and new springs. And right. thankfully, I yeah, know it did not get fucked up. It was able to walk away scot free. And I was just like kicking back. I said, play my set. Seemed like the video footage footy was sick. So, oh, no, I like as the show itself. It was like, dude, it was fucking trashy. And I could give two fucks. I want to just play my set and get the fuck out of there. But we did get paid like 400 bucks. First, we got paid 300 bucks, but then Ship Brains was like, oh, wait, you only got 300? Here, have another $100. And I'm like, hell yeah. So now we have money for a shorts press. <laughs> we don't even have t shirts. Shorts. Yeah, we don't have t shirts. We're making pl- shirts. You're making shorts. We're going to make shorts. I love the meme of sores of how, like, you know, like, you know, Wizards like the list, like the legacy band, right? And then Discase, you know, the kind of pump in, like, you know, the, like, like the bump in new band, right? But fucking sores is like to me source is a meme because like you get i'm not gonna say high profile but you get these like you play this huge ass show right yeah and then just like just the stuff you guys do and like the idea of like oh dude it's like it, you know you, you take the you know you take these picture people you're like yo it's random source fan just <laughs> i i don't know what it is just source to me is source for days out of all your projects even even compared to typewriter, for some reason, Soars is just such a meme to me. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> you know, no, let me pull up this one picture that was actually got like came from like that show, too. Because like there was just like a random photographer is like, hey, I want to take pictures of the bands and stuff. Like, yeah, let me pull it up. But freaking, yeah, that was like when I was also in LA with you. The next weekend, though, like this weekend, like we just came off of while I'm recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, it was brutal. Yeah. And I've been having to play a show every weekend since the last weekend of July. It's Three been months? like for like two good, months. No, six, no, it's been like a month. Oh, but technically like five or six weekends. Wow. It's been fucking tiring. Brutal. I've been tiring. And like this last weekend was definitely a very 
Very long stretch. I saw it in you when you were tearing down from your set, uh, from your most recent set. You just look like you want to just find a couch, any couch, and just die and just <laughs> and collapse. Oh right, yeah. So here's the meme pit. Here's the picture. <laughs> we had one homie, the homie that plays drums for Gosh, <laughs> going like, "I need this framed and in, in my apartment." Don't tell you. I don't know what it is. Swords is just a meme. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think. I'm really. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of because I don't know what our audience is. I'm trying to think what their reaction be hearing these bands. Like, what kind of bands are they talking about? Shit for brains, sulfuric brains. artery, yeah. coffin mush, casket mush, yeah. wizard, discate. Like what? What is this music? What are these bands? A lot. I don't know. You can. They're fo- a lot. Yeah. You can follow me at my own personal I- IG profile at Doctor Death Danger. So yeah, you can. I also do not promote the podcast, but no, actually, the name is the only proof that the podcast exists on yeah, Instagram for sure. <laughs> Every now and then, maybe I might promote it. I'm not asking you to promote it, but I, I just kind of thought of that right now. It's like, oh, that's funny. Oh, God. Yeah, no. But talk about fucking brutal. Oh, ass. yeah. Brutal Last weekend. weekend. So this past weekend, Friday, I get off work at five. Well, technically 450 to go run into a town over and then mob two hours into Santa Barbara oh. to play a show, which then like obviously my goal was like we're playing seconds like we roll up. We're just going to play. I might check out the band after us, Crucial Thoughts, because mm-hmm. it was like they were the only other kind of like hardcore punk band on the bill, and I was kind of curious. Dude, it was a weird bill. So first band was kind of like a sludge band, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, it's okay, but I kind of just want to play my set and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> there was our set, which I just acted all stupid, and it was like one of those things that I don't want to sound egotistical. For sure, we were the punkiest, we were the most punkiest band. Right, yeah, that's fine. And we might have, We might have had the most like, Coolest set, okay. but then it was like you crucial, had the Riz, yeah, yeah. But Crucial Thought played, and I was like, maybe there's a drop of energy. Maybe I, maybe I expelled too much. <laughs> I made it hard for them. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And then deep this band Detached played, which is like more heavy hardcore. And then there was the heavy shoegaze band, but I was already long gone by then. I'm gonna start calling you James Bone Steel with yeah. uh, with those comments. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like I don't know. I'm just saying, gonna, I look just like Buddy Murphy. I'm just saying, I look like just like Buddy Murphy, Mister Hot or Not. But then the next night, fuck, I like the next day, I end up having to work a 10 and a half hour day because I needed to go through five fucking houses or so that just needed saving. Oh. I know. Fucking brutal. And then um, and then like after that, I get late to set up set, and then like get late because I'm running sound for a show with these bands from Sweden that are playing. And right as I'm doing the line check, getting amps in. I get the fuck. I realized this power mixer, it's brand new. I haven't used it before. This is supplied by the venue. Was not fucking able to crank the vocals over the goddamn, like, over the goddamn amps. Mm. So it's like you couldn't hear the vocals. And if you did try to crank them, they would just cut out. It'll, they'll just go, ah, 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 like that. <laughs> it was fucking brutal. I was like, bro, yeah. what the fuck? God, son of a bitch. So I was sitting there. I was like, I had to make an option call. I was like, fuck it. We're just going to do it old school. We'll just use their PA head and my mixer. I already have my mixer on me. Thankfully, I had that. And the PA head doesn't power on. And it's 9 o'clock now. You're kidding. And I just sat there, and we're like, fuck. Because it's like, I need, like, a speaker cable. But I realized, wait, the PA head just won't power on. Son of a bitch. Eventually, it just goes, fuck it. What what are we going to do? We don't have a, we don't have another fuse to swap out on this PA head, see if that blows. So I'm just going to have to drive, like, 20 minutes 
to go to the space, get my head, and then drive back the 20 minutes to install this head. <laughs> so when I get there and like install that, there was already like way more bodies that showed up at that time. And then the show hasn't started yet. And fuck it, just like I was like when I was driving, I was like, bro, I don't think we should have like have my band plays first because I have to sit there set up sound and then like I don't even have time to warm up. So honestly, and it's already running late. Get the bands from Sweden to play first. So they actually have people hanging out. And then friggin' because it was smooth run. Once I threw on my PA head, I was like already like barking orders like, hey, reset up the fight, like re-mic out the like I was like telling someone I was like, hey, take the mic cables, mic up everything. You have an idea, just try your best. And like I'll come in and catch anything if it looks off. And I obviously come in, they got the mics all set up properly. I was able to just like do quick like dial in the mics. Just took a minute and then we're on the road. But I was like watching band set. And I was like, I hate to stay so much. <laughs> fucking so long. I want it to be fucking over. Ah, like, dude, like I had to take a moment when I was driving here, like mobbing 90 miles per hour. I was like screaming at my steering wheel. I was like, fucking why me? Ah, this day is so hard. Oh, it was bad. And then what happened the next day? The next day I was like, so I was going to like this show. I wasn't supposed to play, but. Freaking bad boy thrash metal band Toxic Holocaust came into town and I was like, all right, sick. And then we got asked to open up for it. I'm like, you can't say no to that. I was like, fuck, I can't say no to that. And I was like sitting there because I was just going to like parking a lot thrash it and just drive up the door. But the show did sell out. So I was mm. like, mm, maybe this is a good thing I did. Obviously, when hanging out the show, though, I was like, oh, bro, I could have snuck in. No problem. <laughs> Anyone could have snuck in. No problem. If they, if they, if they had, if they had, um, the patience for it. Yeah. But I was like sitting there, I was like, bro, they had <laughs> the like, awareness. The, they had those doors wide open while hanging out. For, Cause for, I, I remember I if you said it, but for context, it's a warehouse. Yeah. It was a warehouse that's a brewery, but basically they set up a little like stage and bar. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there just going like, bro, anyone could have, people could have snuck in. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. Just it could happen. But obviously I had to play a show and we did our set and oh my fucking God. So when Holocaust played, I was gonna say, what was that you were talking about? Uh, See, cutting like, out vocals. Oh my god, that was bad. So friggin', but I so I just remember when we rolled up to the show, like we were like we were supposed to like load in at like five, which I'm like, fuck, bro, that's too early. I want to roll up and show at like nine and just parking a lot of thrash and have slept all day, right? But nah, gotta be responsible. Gotta wake up and gotta load in or something. Fucking load it. Oh, then at five, which we barely had any gear. I'm just talking to the promoter and stuff. And I'm just sitting there just being like, yeah, I don't have the most posy vibe. I kind of want to talk. Like one of like the transphobic guitar player of like the band Hell's Gate comes up to me and tries to introduce himself. like, cool. My name's Vinny. And I'm like, nice to meet you, Vinny. I'm just like, yeah, cool. I don't care. dude. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, cool. Nice to meet you. Oh, what band are you in? I'm in Disc A. Discrimination? Yeah. Cool. It's always the ones that don't that you don't want to talk to that are the punishers. Yeah, I was like, yeah, and I'm like sitting there, it's chilling, show like old dude Darian. I was like, I haven't talked to him in a minute. Yeah, he's all being he was he dude he was being a little too cringy for me. Really? Because he was like sitting there, he's like trying to just like ca- like catch up. I was like, he's just sitting there, he's like, yeah, dude. I was like, dude, you're projecting too much energy on me right now. <laughs> this is too early for me. He's to still go. very much a yeah metal dude metal. Yeah, I was like, dude, I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, cool. And he's like, yeah, dude. So tell me about your band and i was like um we play fast 
I don't know what more you want. Like, was there very? It was like, well, how many members? Is it like three piece, four piece, three piece? Oh, three piece. You know what's a three piece? Dying fetus. And they sound like bigger than ever. And I'm like, yeah, dude, cool, dude. I've seen like dying fetus like at least two times. I saw him one time. I think it was just them and Cal Decap. And then yeah. I saw him one time with Hatebreed. And he's like, yeah, dude, Hatebreed, fucking groovy. I was like, yeah, dude. And I like sat there and realized, oh, all right. Recently, the fucking the main guitar player singer for Dying Fetus grew his fucking hair out. Mm-hmm. And he was fucking bald forever. Yeah. But now he's got the long, like, shitty hairline. I was like. You're telling that. And then I was like sitting there. And that's the moment when I'm like, okay, now I'm invested. Because then I started ranting about, hey, I have a theory for you, Darian. Check it. Just check this. Check oh, this. No. If a band has shitty hairline. That might equal trustworthy quality riffs. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Sometimes, like you said that shit to me, and I lost it. I'm just saying, like the fucking is like the band has a shitty hairline. I think it's gonna be primo. You're gonna trust that band. And I'm just saying, and I'm like telling them all these bands, like, yo, this band shitty hairline. This band yeah. shitty hairline. Does Mortician that shitty? I'm hairline. like sitting there, and like Darian's like, yeah, you know, I was growing my hair out. I'm like, shit, like I'm like balding, got a little stuff, like a little stubble on top. I was like, yeah, just grow up, just go school it, bro. He's like, go school it. I was like, <laughs> come Devin on, Townsend. I'm like, dude, like blood incantation, fucking school it. Just saying, shitty hairline equals riffs. You know who has this? You know what band has a shitty hairline? Metallica. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lars's hairline, hell yeah. <laughs> Worst of them all. But oh my god, fucking! I'm just like sitting there, yeah. Because then we had to play our set, but like the battery on the bass started fucking up. Yeah. So that just that in turn was just like oh, so we had to like take like a couple minutes where Oscar ran over to the old T-shirt press just right around the corner where Exum practices to find a bass or jack a battery <laughs> and just end up jacking a battery. Oh yeah, because we're sitting there waiting. Obviously, it's taking a minute, and then like the promoter's like, "Hey, well, what's taking so long?" And I was like, dude, fucking bass is acting up. So we were like, bass player went and go like right around the corner to go grab a bass or something to try to fix the situation. Well, okay. Do you guys think oh, you can cut like uh, two songs? He gave us like a 30 minute set. And I was like, bro, we're only playing 20. Yeah. We're, not, we're perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. We're perfectly fine. It's not like his fucking band played 40 fucking minutes. I was just about to say, it's funny you mentioned that because I got there for till the, I got there around the end of your set and, 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 and you know, you communicated to me. Yeah. We only played like 20, 25 minutes. Like, okay, 20, cool. 25 minutes. Maybe. I don't know. I the said, next fucking we band. have like the one song that we like play like an endless solo and then yeah. we played an encore song. Yeah. The next band. Oh, I know. But we we're like sitting there waiting and there was this one bald fucker in the like Sodom shirt and leather jacket just like fucking play already and i was like we're already like frustrated and mad it's like dude fuck you fuck you howie mandel have you started a band no eat shit bro seem like you have a shirt leather jacket oh no i had the i had the revenge pit moment with them because i was just like there was a moment because i was all rocker brain during toxic holocaust sure were i was like fucking like spitting in his fucking eyes like fucking singing lyrics to them and like shoved them off in a way Homie couldn't handle the energy. You, he's just had I that. I thought you were going to say he, he just that, clocked him on. Yo, he just had that stoic metalhead energy. I was like, damn, bro. I actually felt like stage diving. I was staged on it, dude. But I realized I kind of don't want to actually get in a fight tonight. Yeah. So I need to watch my barriers. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, I don't think. You know, ho- you would have had like five ho- homies backing you up, though. Yeah, I was like sitting there. It's like, I don't think I need to. Yeah, I don't think I need to cause that many problems. Yeah. I don't think this guy can handle the level of like rocker energy I was like projecting. <laughs> no. My chaotic. You were rock- a dangerous man that said. I was just fucking. Yeah, dude. I was just like fucking out of it. But dude. Yeah, no, we like played our set and it was like got and we got our shit off and out of there. And obviously, so I remember I bullshit with the sound guy earlier. Okay, let's just like go to Toxic Holocaust, the fucking vocal mics. 
didn't work for dog shit. Nope. Don't know how, what, or what happened. I don't know what changed. They didn't work at all. So basically, no. Toxic Holocaust had to play with no mics. For most of the show, yeah. Like, basically a 16th of the show. They had working mics. Yeah. It was fucking bad. And they I was like, that is so annoyed. Oh, believe me, it's frustrating. I bet they would hate that. And like, you know, they were trying to smile it off and like, you know, but I'm and, sitting and there, like, like, I feel be it. good about, you know, have good vibes about it. But it's just like, dude, you could see it. Yeah. It's like, even dude, the drummer looks frustrated. He literally has no vocal parts. Yeah. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I feel you guys. I literally played a set like that like two months ago. Yeah. I understand that. And I'm just sitting there. It's like, obviously me, it's like, I wouldn't trip. I would just play. Is that just bad equipment or is that the sound guys fucking up? Well, here's the thing. Fucking sound guy did a fucking sound check for the fucking promoters band who had fucking his like drummer had triggers and all that bullshit and the loudest fucking overpowering bass. That should sound fucking goofy. Yeah. I'm a bass player and that bass was too loud. And I was saying like the vocals sounded fine for all the band except the fucking big metal touring band. That is so shitty. Yeah, I was like sitting there was like, hey, sound guy, great job killing the town. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he killed the business. He killed the town. I was like, bro, talks Holocaust, I was them. I was like, fuck this, never coming back here. I like actively talk shit on that on 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 them type of shit. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I ran sound for the Swedish bands and I did a better job. Mm-hmm. And I was like sitting there and it's like, yeah, don't know why the fuck. I, I looked over at them a couple times during the show. They're like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, you're the fucking sound guys. You should know. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck was like. God, what? You know what sucks? But you know what? We all like, you know, a lot of us kind of, you know what's the difference between all sets? What's that? A lot of us kind of crashed into the fucking PA speakers in, early on in the set. I was say, you think that's something to do with it? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think that, yeah, I didn't actually see him proactively try to check the connection. But that's the thing. Like, the, here's the thing. The kick and the snare mic worked. This is the vocals wasn't happening. Huh? Yeah, like the kick and snare mics, they work fine. Uh huh. But the vocals, no. Oh, sorry. No, I th- I'm sorry. I misheard. For some reason, I thought you said because I got a notification. I checked it, and I thought you said that the, that the drum kick and snare mic weren't working. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. They were working. Yeah, they were working. This is the vocals didn't work, and I was like, wow, sound guy. And when to- they did work, they were like hot and distorted as fuck. And not pleasant to the ears. And you know what's also fucked? So that show, I thought we were going to get our calves mic'd up or so. But there was like, oh, we don't need to. It'll be kind of an equal volume or so. We're just only going to like mic up the drums. I don't think this venue needs it. And it was kind of a bigger room. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I think it'd be nice so that like the amps are at a good level. And then you can actually like level in like all the stuff. So make it actually sound tight. Yeah. And stuff. So because I was sitting there, I was like, I only want to bring in one cab for the guitars. But realize, oh, you're not micing the cab. Like we thought you said you were. Damn. That well, it looks sucks. like we're going to go run and get another cab. Yeah. Our rehearsal space was like a five minute drive away. We did that. But here's the thing with Holocaust. Since they were uneven cabs, it sounded odd. When you're right next to Joel Grind's bass, you mostly hear bass. I could barely hear the guitar. Yeah. Like, And that's why I decided that we needed two guitar cabs. You should get in touch with Joel and be like, hey, man, please come back. I'll run the sound. Hey, man, come Dark Nectar. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Try to get him to come to. You, no, I'm serious. He's trying to get him to come to Nectar. Come to Dark Nectar. I got you. Yeah, dude. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, no. But uh, fucking, what is that show? But hey, at least we got pictures hey, like you, me, good friend Dylan. Yeah. That was like the first time all three of us were actually in the same room seeing yeah, Todd's yeah, Holocaust. Yeah. You and me have seen him twice. You and Dylan saw him like once, but For we sure, never saw like, him together. Yeah couple times and then yeah freaking 
And I learned that Joel Grind thinks from Toxicologist thinks Lulu has better riffs than Saint Anger. Yeah, you and Frontman Bad Boy Joel Grind were just like bullshitting hard. And despite what Dylan says, I did try to include him in the conversation. Yeah. You know? And it's like I I wanted to bullshit with him more, but dude, it was late. Yeah. I sort of actually just like went up to the drummer and said, "Hey, dude, you did you fucking wore it through that? That set looked brutal." But like, oh, I was gonna it. point that. But out. But then like, homie was ready to go on a full on conversation. I was like, "I'm not actually ready for this. I kind of want to get the fuck out of here." <laughs> you fucking big time to the drummer from Toxic no, no, Holocaust. No, 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 no. I did it. No, I did it. I did it in a more polite, but that was my sense. I, see. I thought like I didn't think homie was actually up for a conversation. Okay, yeah. No, but I was gonna say really quick, uh, I did find it funny that all that well, you me and I think even Dylan, uh, all the members of Holocaust were like, Hey man, great show. So sorry about the sound. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened. I was empathizing with you so hard. I was ready for Joel to start cracking the sound dude in the face. Yeah, no, but Joel, he was like, you know what's over? Just move on and yeah. stuff. I got to tell Joel Grind everything I ever wanted to tell him, except that I wish he could bring back the bleach blonde hair. Yeah. That was the only thing. But no, I was really, I was satisfied. Hey, you had your moment. It was sick. We're 30 minutes in. What? Yeah. It's not 30 minutes. Yeah, it's uh, now 32 and a half minutes. You want to get onto the show? I think we should get on the show. We should get onto the show. All right. This is one of the better opening segments, though, I think. Uh, yeah. It makes you feel better. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There was a lot. There was a lot to talk about. Yeah. There's a lot. I'm just saying. Like, we, uh, like, we And here's the thing. With that, like, Talks of Holocaust show, I guest list you in. Yeah, yeah. That I, was, you rock starred me in, bro. Yeah, I rock starred you in. And by rock star, I was abusing the guest list so hard. Because I first asked about it. And I was like, how many about, was like, how many people do you get to get? Because like, the promoter was like, how many people think you're guest listing or so? Because this is going to be a sold out show. It's like, homie was, off. homie was like, episode, this is going to be a sold out show. And all this is like, bro, I don't give a fuck. Can you just answer how many like people like it? Like that was like level like that mentality. This promoter, he's like, yeah, this show it's gonna be sold out. It's gonna be packed. It's gonna be a big ass event. I was like, dude, quit using bullshit buzzwords with me. And I was like sitting there, I was like, you know, yeah, what? it's like, I'm why is he trying to hype you up? I was like, I was like sitting there, I was like, can I just guess this one friend? But then I realized I was sitting there, I was like, I'm like one or two people. And then he was like sitting there, I was like, okay, yeah, because I was like, but I realized, but I ended up going like, oh, wow, like three or four. I went and like guess list. The homie John Foster, mm -hmm. since he asked, is like, hey, can you guest list me? I was like, fuck it. Let me ask about it. And then I was sitting there, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I should abuse it, but I realized, fuck it. I'll put you and Dylan down. And then Dylan's like, I already bought my ticket. I was like, ha, Lamau. <laughs> yeah, he says a voice and she's like, why didn't you guess me? And I'm fucking broke. It's just, <laughs> and I like, and then I sent a picture. I was like, all right, guest listed. I already bought my ticket. <laughs> That is, that is, that is, that is peak Dylan. Oh, dude. It was fucking primo. It was, you know, even more hilarious. Fucking what? DMD also bought a ticket, but basically got in for free because we made him haul our shit around. <laughs> so there was two spots that were technically, that should have been open. Yeah. Technically. Oh, bro, I was abusing it. I, I would have like let in all my friends. I was That's a, rock and roll. I was just a fuck it. <laughs> I think the promoter gave. It was for like, a The good promoter cause. wasn't paying attention to the guest list, and I think neither the door ladies. No, I don't think so either. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, and I was like, dude, there was like Momo. I was like, even like bullshitting with the homie Jay Swiss, and I was just going like, dude, yeah, I was just saying, I was like, bro, this is bro. I was about to say this promoter is fucking trap, but then I realized homie was literally right behind me. I was like, Ugh. I was like, I was like, sitting there, I was like, yeah, dude. And I was sitting there, I was like, bro, I'm trying to abuse. I don't give a fuck about this dude, shit. The promoter. I don't give a fuck about this promoter. All yeah. he did was make his band sound good, and he made the touring band sound like shit. 
Yeah, like, like you know. I was like, yeah, sure, we sounded fine with our set, but I was yeah. like, whatever, we didn't care. I was in, got in the show for free, and I was just gonna parking a lot of thrash. Dude, promoters band is filled with people that we used to that we used to know that were they were all like different levels of bullshit. And last night proved to me they are still different levels of bullshit. Oh uh, yes, all right. Uh, I'm gonna try. Uh, I think now it's time. Yeah, to actually get in the hot or not, Mister Hot or Not. That's hot. I've said it like four times now. That's the best song Jake ever made. Damn, calling <laughs> homie out. <laughs> Dude, all right. Well, of course, this is the only part of the show he listens to, so I gotta. <laughs> Why'd you drop the conversation about Dom and Buddy, Jake? Oh, yeah, it's because you knew I won. Yeah. Anyway, play his message. All right, so, Mr. Hot or Not, what do you have for us today? Oh, he finally dropped the attitude. Well, oh, sorry. I don't have a press record yet. So oh, you weren't recording. No, yet. I was not recording. So that moment we're just like quiet and try to listen. And it's like, oh, wait, I don't have a recording. We're so good at our job. Oh, please. dude, the best. Okay. So for this week's hot or not, we're going to go a little different because okay. in the year 2023, I found myself to be a bit of a insufferable indie head. Uh, and you are? we are going to listen to some comedic. Yeah, dude, he, likes, he, likes, he likes the 1974. Not necessarily I think it's down 75. your guys' choice of music hey, we but to you know what the songs we did actually yeah. sucks so maybe james can find some uh you know levity in that but uh i have to ask you is do you know the pp man i don't know the pp man what okay my well, mom listens you're about to, the to show, learn jake so this is a song by a like brooklyn comedy indie duo tiktok type thing uh and honestly uh, the song started as the as this couple just vibing back and forth with this kind of funny little lyric, and then they actually went full uh, full on and like produced and put out the song. And uh, it's right. been one of my jams. If there was the an pee -pee earworm man. of an earworm, this song has been stuck in my head for like bye weeks. Bye, man. Thomas is too. So I mean, anyways, uh, check it out. This is the pee pee man. So it is actually called okay. Yeah, no. Is it the band? Is it the group or the song? Oh no, let me pull it up. So all I have the link is open Spotify track and just it says the PP man. The PP man. Yeah. Oh boy. Hey, give it a say it whenever my fucking Spotify loads. Well, at least we're getting to the to the trendy aspect, back to the trendy aspect of hot or not. Yeah. I mean, some of the other ones, you know, uh, are trendy, but it's been a while since he sent us a TikTok act. Yeah, I know. It's been a minute since he did send us a TikTok dad. I know, like, as like Bosil says, just like, I've just been an insufferable indie head of late. I'm, I'm trying like, to think. You have? I'm trying to think. Was the last, does technically, is the last TikTok he sent, uh, TikTok related thing he sent us Peyton Parrish? Because I feel like it's either that or Brendan Bales. So, okay, the artist is called Rose and Brooks. Rose and Brooks. Uh, yeah, and they obviously look like a goofy little comedy piece, but uh -huh. for the latest single, The, the PP man, man, it's one minute and 47 seconds. Are you ready, Ed? Yeah. For The PP Man? <sighs> yes. Let's go. Let's vomitos. Yeah. Dude, you're fucking fun. Okay. And there's nothing. Still one little guy who sure knows 
Well, I can already tell you the song would get fucking stuck in my head. This sounds like it should be on Adult Swim somewhere. It does sound like a Adult Swim song. It just kind of does, yeah. Oh! Wow! Bro, that baritone voice is like so offsetting. You know this. You know this, These guys kind of remind me of. Have you ever listened to um, what's the fucking band's name? Uh, Wilco. No. Kind of reminds me of that actually. The Mango. Actually, uh, Crazy Ex Roommate used to like that band a lot. Mm. It's like. Obviously, comedy and indie music isn't something that's brand new. That's it's like, a, yeah. been around forever. Bro, the fucking one motherfucker. Fucking something Willis? Ah, oh, Willis, Willis Wallace? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna find that motherfucker out of there. You know, the one fucker is like, fucking, it was like, rock and roll McDonald's! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morbid Angel! Forbid Angel. Pee Pee Man comes. Not gonna lie, that song had a nice guitar tone. The Pee Pee Man comes and the Pee Pee Man goes. What was your thoughts on it? Alright, so my thoughts was Your thought out your thought out eloquent thoughts. Like was I laughing? No. No. That was just like kind of I think you and me were finding more humor in talking about it than listening to it. Yeah, we're kinda just chilling. But what week are we on now with Jake being on a streak? If it's, what if, it's, on a streak? if it's this one, if we do it this one, it's three. Well, honestly, I think Mr. Hot or Not is three for three. I kind of actually fuck with it a little bit. Let me respond to that with the only, which pretty much the only you know, thing. No, I might give it a not because, you know, I think I would actually listen to that song again. <laughs> so I'm just saying the PP man comes and the PP man goes. Now I'm not trying to the talk you. Man rolls or the people man shows or whatever now, listen, the fuck they say. Now listen, I'm not trying to talk you out of your uh-huh. thought because I wouldn't want to take away Jake's victory. But I think you're trying to take away Jake's victory. You see yourself blasting this like you do Blueface or the dude that's like yes. Oh, okay. Or the or the Poland or the or maybe not as or the walk into Poland man. Okay, not as much as Blueface or your ex boyfriend because those are mean bands. But I haven't bumped Blueface or your ex boyfriend in a minute. That's true. Yeah. Like if I think about it, if I'm in the mode, I would totally listen. But even then, like I'll give this a hot. Let me respond to that with the only thing I could think of to say about the song. It was better than the Bam Margera diss track, so I give it a hot. No, that's it. That's literally all I had. All right, sick. <laughs> Good one, Jake. Good one. I I'll wonder. S- I wonder if this is the kind of thing he actually wanted to be a hot, be, or wanted to be a not, because it's kind of you know dumb or whatever and simple. Oh, actually, Jake also sent a fucking second audio clip for after the song for us to listen to. Oh boy. All right, what did Jake say? All right, so that was the PP man. I'm back. I'm curious now what you guys thought of it so well, let's just start with edward ed do you think that the pp man is hot or not uh what did you give it okay i gave it a hot jake Mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was yeah okay. i mean i agree i agree i feel like you know <laughs> it's, the pp man the... is 
as revolutionary as the stuff that the Beatles were doing. And no, I th- you are I said, right. Oh, it is more emotionally developed than something that Trent Reznor would, would write. I I completely agree with you 100%. Damn, Jake's uh, on a yeah, good one right now. Like, you know what? Good take. Jake, I want to Now, James, what about you? Sometimes. What do you think of the PP Man? Is it hot or not? I give it a hot. Oh, please tell me you thought I gave it a nod. Uh-huh. Oh, he's going to give it a hot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I get it. So... <laughs> If you want to go fucking do pee-pee things and piss off the Grand Canyon and pee in a water bottle and fucking pee out in the open in front of fucking people, that's fine. But the second someone else writes a pee-pee song, it's all of a sudden not hot. Fuck you, you fucking bitch. No, that's I I I don't accept it. This is I'm still three and zero. I'm three and zero. I gave you three and zero. And the thing is, he's actually three and zero. You are not the fucking. Arbiter of dumbass. All right, I don't give a shit how much you piss yourself. The peepee song thirty thousand dollars could give you a better hairline, but won't give you brain cells. It's hot, and I will (laughs) fucking stand by that. Fuck this podcast. I'm I'm going home. Well, thank you, Mister Hot or Not, for always finding a way to fail. For thank you for continually proving for for for. Give me my mom the validation that when she, that she feels she needs when she talks about how hot or not how hot or not how hot or not sucks, but it's also her favorite segment because like it's like the only thing she consistently listens to. At this point, I think I think hot or not's just gonna lead to a feud between my mom and Jake. But yeah, no, that was that was a good moment, Jake. Thanks. <sighs> All right. I'll take a moment to stop and get the CR up and running. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. All right, listeners, now it's time back for the CAR. All right, Ed, what did we listen to this week? So we obviously picked an album from 1001 albums that you must listen to before you die. Yeah. So we picked Funeral by RK Fire. Okay, we didn't actually pick, we randomly picked. We randomly but. picked, yeah. Also, to answer your previous question, I think Kanye got like maybe 200,000 votes or something. I don't know. Uh, so, RK Fire is an interesting band. It's a band I've known of them since I was a kid. And I want to just start off by painting a picture for you guys. Wikipedia lists them as indie rock, yeah. art rock, dance yeah. rock, and baroque pop. This record we listen to has been classified as indie rock, art rock, baroque pop, but also symphonic rock and chamber pop, which a lot of those had a lot of overlap with uh, what was that indie record we did forever ago that was called like Tiger's Milk or something? Oh, fucking something Sebastian. So Bell, Bell and Sebastian. Sebastian. Bell and Sebastian. Oh, it was that quick fucking album. Spoiler alert for you guys. Um, this record's better. I don't know if that's a hot take in the indie rock scene. Indie rock scene. But this is, uh, this for, let's start with track one. Yeah, track one. This is called Neighborhood Number One, parentheses, tunnels. Tunnels. I wrote, oh yeah, I wrote here in my notes, I bet five bucks James typed that this was slow. Um, I didn't. T- I didn't write. It, I didn't write it was slow. So give me five bucks, bitch. We didn't shake on it. So it's the song is atmospheric, gets louder, more energetic as it goes, and it continuously like builds and adds layers. And um, you know, I just kind of like it's. I kind of like it's. Uh, it's vibe. I thought it was a good opening track. I gave it a six. All right. So I can remember when we were like looking up the description from the book. I can't remember if it said it was like emo or indie. I, I like, think it used both. 
because uh, I was just like, was this supposed to be emo? Because this is definitely the indie head shit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, it's fine. It's good. Six out of ten. It wasn't yeah, bad. Yeah. It was all right. Now, with this album, they have a couple songs called Neighborhood. Yeah. I don't know what the interplay plot is of these songs. Yeah, I don't either. Don't know what the story is. But... I don't think the Wikipedia had anything about it. Yeah. What? Yeah, no, I don't think the Wikipedia said there was like an overarching story. I think they just named them that. All right, because I feel like these songs should have an overarching story, but I'm not going to give this band that much more credit. So next song, sure. Neighborhood 2, parentheses, Laika? 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 I think so. Yo. So when this song started, I typed, ooh, floor tom beat, yas, girl. Yas. This song, um, for most of the song, it's very kind of like, it, it's, it's equal parts kind of interject, but also cozy. It feels like an energetic cafe song. As you excitingly drink your half and half cappuccino, uh, I need to point out whoever did like I think the accordion on this record was doing God's work, and there's smexy violins that come in like halfway through the song. Uh, I honestly I think it kicked ass. I gave it a seven out of ten. Cool. So for me, I thought it was kind of more of the same as the first song. This sounds nothing like the first song. I thought the vibe was more of the same. Well, the vibe is the same, but. Yeah. So six out of ten for me. Oh, it wasn't bad. And like, yeah, the toms are cool. Yeah, that's fair. But all right, next song. Una Ame Sans Limer. That was beautiful, James. It translates to a year without light. And like, okay, I get it. You're artistic, and apparently they're literally French Canadian or the Canadian. French Canadian. They're from Quebec. Oh, so But come on, bro. North America is still American. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Now this <laughs> yeah, North America is still America, so I'm going to speak American. So, um, yeah, no, I like this one. It's a mellow head swear. Uh, yeah, I like these kind of songs when they're done well, and I thought this one was. And then when, like, less than a minute left in the song or whatever, there's, like, rowdy guitar comes in. I gave it a low seven, because, like, it's I wouldn't call this song great, but I think it's better. I think I just thought it was better than a six, so I liked it. Light seven. Dang. So for me... I just wrote down. Yo, I guess this was a chill ballad. I gave it a six out of ten. It, it's kind of it was kind of chilling at this pace. Fair. Uh, I felt like might have something going on, but it was the same time. Yeah, it's just chilling. <laughs> so now neighborhood number three. Um, power, power out. This opening was smexy, and I kind of like the like almost like new wave guitar tone, dancey feel that was really prominent at the time. Um, this record's from like 2004. Um, this song doesn't change all that much, and I'll admit it drags a little bit, but I thought it was still good. I gave it a six. So for me, well, since this was the third neighborhood song, I'm gonna be honest, this had a little bit of pinch of salt to it compared to the other ones. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I gave it a high six out of ten. Yeah, I think you know I what? gave that too. Yeah, it just had that more seasoning. I was like, you know what? This kind of make me give a fuck. Just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Just it. Alright, on to the next one. You guys will never guess. Neighborhood it number four! Yeah. Seven kettles. Seven kettles? What? <laughs> so this this opening with <coughs> this opening happened, you know, with all these weird violins shits going and I wrote yeah. here, and I wrote here, oh god, it's Junior Dad, Joel, save me. I was like, oh, this goddamn background violin. 
But when it gets going, this song is a quiet, somber track. It's fine. I like a little easy listening. I gave it a mid six. Maybe it's a low. Maybe you could argue it's lower, but I don't think it's skippable. I try to give fives only to songs I think are skippable. A four is legitimately bad and terrible. And anything below three, I'm like, okay, this is just so bad it's memeable. That's my opinion. All right, so for me, I wrote down, God damn, this background violin. <laughs> and yeah, this had some acoustic guitars, but I thought the song was mid overall. I'll give it a low six. I'm starting to get a little way down a little bit. It's goddamn neighborhood songs. But now, no. So this song's called Not a Neighborhood Number. This is now Crown of Love. Crown of Love. Love is my. Yeah, I knew you were going to do it again, so I waited. Um, so, Crown of Love. This, so- <laughs> this song, uh, Crown of Love bangs. Uh, I gave it. Um, I gave this. I'm going to be completely honest. I gave this song a low eight. Like, it may not sound like it now, but br- when everything comes in, bro, violins are sick. The beat and melody are sick. The singing is sick. I loved it. And then it gets like all dancey and shit near the end. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's rad. I I stand by it. So for me, I was like, all right, all right. This song definitely had some spice. Uh, This definitely didn't just have salt. It also had pepper. I gave it a low (laughs) 7 out of 10. It goes somewhere. The song definitely goes somewhere. Like right now, you're like, ah, I don't know. But yeah. then, like, around the end, it's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. That song, yeah, that's good. okay, that was not bad. That Plus, was that chorus bad. is good, too. If you, st- this isn't it, but if you still want me, like, that's good. It feels like a, feels like an old 50s ballad, like, uh, malt shop ballad, but all indie-fied. So now, next one. Wake up! Grab the bush and put on a little makeup. This song starts, and I'm like, ooh, we got a little Rocky Rolly riff going on. Ish. But this song's okay. For me, it was a step down from, like, a significant, like, a noticeable step down from in the last song. Like, I give it a six, because it's fine. But then, randomly, it turns into a Wham! song at the end. It's weird. But, yeah, it's it's all right. I just wrote down, um, Loki song is kind of putting me to sleep, so I gave it a five out of ten. Yes, even when the tempo change it hits, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. nope, nope, sorry. I'm like, I'm like crashing out over here. Yeah, the tempo change is what I'm like, this just sounds like wham. Yeah, sounds like Ramley wham. Uh, next one. I'm not going to try to bother pronouncing that. I'll let you have go go to town. Wait, number eight? Yeah, that's Haiti. Yeah, Haiti. Like the island, I think. I thought Haiti was spelled different. I thought, it was, I thought, I thought I was going to say like Haiti. Haiti? Hey, Haiti? Hi, Haiti. Hi, Haiti. Hey, baby. This one's okay. It's mostly an acoustic one. It feels like you're supposed to be like, it feels like the song is supposed to play in the background in the movie when the characters are sipping something on the beach. Yeah, what's the fucking... Maybe it'll be played in a slow part during Vacation Friends 2. Yeah, wait, who's the fucking director that had like those movies that played a lot of the indie shit? Wes... No, Edgar Wright? Yeah. Wes Anderson? It was an Edgar Wright. My, if, if that's something he what does, Zoe De Chanel, like Do, Zoe De Chanel or whatever. Oh, um, was that him? I don't remember. What are some movies? You're I don't of? fucking know. I, I would have to go off way off okay. from the review to try to figure it out. I'd have to Google Zoe De Chanel. Well, either way, I just wrote down. So, bro, I'm hitting a limit right now. Five out of ten. The song just neanders. It's a good word. That's a good word. Meanders. 
Did you already say your review? Yeah, no, no, I, I did. I thought it was okay. I gave I gave it a low six. Okay. Yeah, I could probably be argued down to a five, though. I'm not going to argue that, though. <laughs> okay. Next one. Rebellion. Parentheses. Nice. I give it another six. Like, I don't know. It gets better in the end, but it's just okay. Like, this is another one where it's like, maybe this is a five, but I ended up giving it a six because, like, there's nothing bad about it. It just wasn't engaging me like if crown of like a crown of love is like the highlight of this record when for a while i thought the highlight was going to be song two um you know it just feels like it's just such a no more noticeable drop in quality for me like again not a bad song you know but it's okay so for me i wrote down you know what six out of ten this song had some life but it was not lighting my world on fire. I think the piano was what kept it from being forgettable. The piano with the drum beat was good. Where is this? Where is this? Ah, You're falling asleep now, bro. I'm falling asleep now, bro. I, I'm not. You might. I might not be. I don't think Arcade Fire was meant for me. <laughs> but either way, last song in the back seat. I swear, in the back seat just feels like such a mundane title compared to the rest of the titles on this. Or a dirty ass song. Hey, baby, let's roll into the back in the seat. Back seat. Um, it's a six minute epic. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Like objectively, it's fine. Here, I'll tell you what my thing is. Please, you're not sure Help if you don't me. have it. I just wrote down. Thank God, it's the last song. I knew it. Five out of ten. Like it builds, but it just neanders with its builds. Yeah, it just goes nowhere. And like I'm not, expe- I'm not expecting a big explosion of like it all building up, but. I don't know. The 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 second half of this record um is not as strong as the first half. Well, I guess Crown of Love technically is part of the second half because there's only ten songs, but you guys know what I mean. So, like, I think I ended up giving this six, but I'll just jump to my review here. Uh my overall feeling is starts off strong. Honestly, I think this record started off strong. Last four songs are just kind of there's like there's like at least three songs on here that I feel like I should just give five to knock them off my score. Wouldn't change much, but like because <coughs> after tallying everything up out of a score of a hundred, it ends up getting a sixty-six. And you know, I'll, I wanted to ask you since you don't count your score, I'll instead pose a question: final verdict. My final verdict was this a vibe. Bro, this was some middle-class white yuppie music. <laughs> we went to school with so many people that would have loved this. Yeah, I'm just saying. Most I'm, of them panic at the disco fans. Bro, like, in this world we live in, the fucking vocalist of Gizm has died. And, like, his <laughs> legend of being a fucking wild madman has more... Lo- like, him just... The incident of him coming out to a show and br- whipping out a pistol and shooting blanks into the crowd <laughs> has more... Than this album. Obviously, this album is more safer, and we don't need. I'm sure we don't need more people in this world going out. See, we don't, we don't always need a bunch of Gigi Allens, you know. All right. Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm just sitting there and like, oh, maybe this wasn't meant for me. Maybe, maybe I could show out a show, but we're more in agreement on this one than. Uh, oh, you, there was like two songs. You're like, you know what? This smacks. And I'm like, all right, this has some seasoning. I have a feeling I don't think I'm going to yeah. listen to it again. I feel like this is a band where when they have something really good, they have something really good. I mean, they've been a popular-ish band for years. Yeah. All right, I got the book here. Do you want a specific decade? Uh, let me fucking stop the song. 
so we can just uh, get there. Or should I just let that song play out? Mm. Uh, I don't care. You're on the ones and twos. No, I decided to stop it. Okay. Maybe I'm just not in the mood for Arcade Fire. And I'm like, Man. you know what? While we converse, what decade? Uh, who picked a decade last time? Eh, no one really. We just kind of just been doing the 2000s the last mm. couple weeks. Episodes. All right, let's do 1970s. Ooh, okay. All right, let's go 1970s. Go okay. to the Ted Nugent era. Yo, fuck. Watch, we're going to get Ted Nugent too. That would all know the stranglehold, baby. Got you in a stranglehold, baby. Fuck, bro. You know, I'll seriously. Do, why do people give? A, why did people ever give a fuck about that dude? I'll do the gimmick, but you know what? That might be an album we have to do someday. And honestly, it's probably in here. Oh man, dude, the seventies is fucking huge. Damn. So we have like a selection, a huge one. Yo, when is that book going to become un like in irrelevant? In irrelevant. Um, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? You asked that. I think this is the. I think this is like the. I think it says on the jacket, but I think this is like the second edition he's done of this. Uh, so. How are you going to redo it again? Yeah, because we're past the 2010s. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, because the latest this goes, it like like the oldest album on here is 2015, and it's Adele's 25. Yeah, and he just has that mixed with the 2000s. I'm yeah, like, yeah. bro, you have everything split in decades. I might have to buy another copy of this book, but at the same time, yeah, I like this don't book want got to. fucking shredded, dog. I don't even know how it happened. All I did was leave it here. Damn. Maybe maybe the maybe the musk from practicing so much just withered it away. I don't know. I All barely right. even handled the book, so I think you've been fucking destroying it. Oh yeah, when I take it down and put it back and flip through the pages. Yeah. That or the book quality is just like just dog shit. Yeah. Maybe homie just cheaped out on it. It's not like he's just sitting here just like oh, basic. Oh, the jacket was cheap. Yo, bro, you. I mean, he, he, he fucking, isn't there times he just used people's fucking critic reviews? There are some just, of these entries where it's just a review from something for most of it. Yeah. So. I was like. And I remember we got the Elvis one. Like, literally, the first half was talking about how, like, the the Elvis one we got, like, talking about how forgettable and kind of bad it is, but it's important. And I'm like, okay, but you don't tell us that the record's kind of bad. Why the fuck is this in the book? <laughs> We must oh. have. We had to hear it, James. Yeah, it was important. Anyway, left, right, forward, back, triple D, D on the, the attack. attack. Oh, let's do left. Oh wait, it's only oh. one album. Ooh, it's a Santana record. Hey, it's Abrahas. Fuck, please watch. I bet Santana's gonna be way sicker than RK Fire, <laughs> or that's gonna bite me in the ass. Uh, in the summer of 1970, 22-year-old Carlos Santana... 22-year-old? <laughs> yeah, right. He's fucking old now. Uh, now? I thought, he, I thought he was, like, old back then. <laughs> well, this is him. So, yeah. Uh, well, he looks like 27 right there. 22-year-old Carlos Santana scored two top 40 singles on the multi-plat record, turned in a show-stopping performance for half the world at Woodstock, and earned a growing faction of devotees. Today, debut darlings are encouraged to regurgitate whatever worked the first time, but Carlos Santana subscribed to the San Francisco... Okay, get this. Subscribed to the San Francisco freak rock scene, where musicians mine their imaginations and turn whatever they discovered into rock and roll. Santana did the scene proud, crafting a sophomore record that voyaged beyond rock into jazz and salsa on the beat of a pounding Latin heart. Despite being the face of the band, Carlos and his impeccable guitar were com merely components in a supremely gifted outfit. On, uh, and on a Brajas, each member of the band made his presence felt. Greg Rowley supplied the art 
The articulate, seductive organ grooves that made Black Magic Woman. Oh, fuck. This is the one with Black Magic Woman on it. Oh, my God. This record literally has that in Oye Como Va. Hey. This is the money record. Damn. Um, fuck. Instant Rock Classics. And that's kind of all you need to know. Basically, what I'm saying, people, is he did a way better job building this up than he did almost any other record we've had. Damn, bro. And also, it's nine songs in 37 minutes. Oh, dude, let me see what, so what was it called again? Abra well, it's Abrahas. A yeah, A-B-R-A-X-A-S. Yo, Santana. Dude, this is going to hype up my folks. Damn. What if I say negative things and they're just going to ban me? Your dad's been ga Literally, your dad was gassing me up on how he gets his meat from the meat market and, like... Two hours away. He wasn't gassing you up. He just said he bought them there. Come on. You don't just say that. It's like, homie, you're like getting meat like two, like an hour and a half to two hours well, away. Well, he hot bags them and he, and he brings it home. He's, well, he, he wasn't gloating, okay? If Scott was telling but you about I'm just that. Saying, if your pops was saying that, I was like, well, like, you seem like you're trying to invite me <laughs> to like for a barbecue. Fight. Well, no, because... We don't cook the meat. It's pre-cooked, but he like they oh. cook it. It's like a restaurant, but he brings it home and we oh. we 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 of we warm it up in the oven. Yeah. Oh. I thought he was just getting straight raw meat and throwing it up on the grill. No, mom always gets everything from Albertsons, but if she feels like spoiling me, then she'll get something from Spencer's. What makes Spencer's better? They legitimately have better meat cuts sometimes. Now I know what you're thinking. Those are grocery stores. Yeah, isn't there a fucking butcher deli like in the middle of like town? Uh, yeah, but she doesn't want to. She doesn't like to go there, and she takes care of this. It's a whole argument that we've had. And I don't want to have. Damn, it. what an argument! <laughs> oh, your your mom's gonna go like, oh my god, they're really talking about this on air. I'm not made of money. Oh. It's like okay, I'm, not made of I'm like, yeah, well, stop getting yourself like four frappuccinos a week, mom. Yeah, that like costs like ten bucks a piece. That's like forty bucks right there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, mom. Yeah, your mom's about to fucking beef with you when she <laughs> hears this part of the episode. Yeah, when you upload it next week. <laughs> All right. Let's take a moment to stop and get ready for the fuck made. All right. Shout out to anyone that's just hopping in from the timestamps. It's now time for the made event. Fucking ready, dog? Yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm you just ready, getting, dog? I'm just getting my nose together. Oh shit, because you look very—you were like looking very intensely at your no, phone. No, because my fucking—I was trying—I was trying to get my notes right. Damn. And now you called attention to us. Now oh. everyone's like, "Oh man, Ed's unprepared." Ed is unprepared. Damn, that's like crazy. It's like, man, he's unprepared. That fat ass. And my response would be, "Hey, hey, you don't have to call me fat. Hi, I didn't. I'm thick." No, hey. Not you, the hype, the hypothetical you. Yeah, hypothetical me. You want to explain what we watched because I don't know if I could summarize it quick enough. Because uh, <laughs> this is there's a there's there's a lot going into this. All right, so no seasonal journey on this episode. No. There's no start of anything. We're this literally at the end. This is more of a one off. Yeah. So what we watched today was off the recent season of Dark Side of the Ring, the episode about Bass at, Bash at the Beach 2000. Basically, a fucking shit show. <laughs> Of a show. A shit show of a shit show, actually. Exactly. Where infamous things, you know, where Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan were supposed to wrestle for the title, but Jeff Jarrett, like, laid down, and Hulk Hogan, was like, walked away, and it was supposed to be a storyline, but when certain things happened, Hulk Hogan then tried to sue the company and never wrestled again for WCW. And then one- I don't- Dude, there's no quick way to explain it. It was yeah. a terrible, like, historical show. But all this episode, like, might have been talking about this show was more a fucking show 
displaying the egos of one Vince Russo <coughs> and Eric Bischoff. And he wasn't there, but Hulk Hogan. And an interview of Jeff Jarrett talking about just how the environment was. And then Dave Meltzer recapping the events of that, too. Yeah. Being the on the journalist again on getting news of events or so. Yeah, it was... It was some. Now, see, we knew we had to do this one because we have a lot of emotional stake in this. Well, and by just, emotional stake, I mean so, we find it very funny. We find it very funny. Uh, we have our. I've abused your Wrestling Observer subscription mm -hmm. as I have listened through all the reviews of WCW of WCW Nitro and freaking of like you know them I'm, clo I'm close to the end i'm i think russo's only got like two months left where I'm and at. also i've also used your audiobook of oh, the yeah. death of wcw so you know what i listened Maybe to that book pseudo educated on this material now did i look yeah. through and watch it no no we have not no but yeah i can definitely hold a 30 minute conversation now i have at least i think i have faith in that now i am one of those wrestling fans that i'm not a historian but i'd like to go back and learn and i'm going through the reviews of that but i'm also listening watching slash listening to wrestling bios week by week review of the monday night wars where he also goes in depth to the pay-per-view because he's freaking insane um and i think there's other things that do it too so you know i don't know everything but it's something that i've you know cared a lot about and also, and also just going into it, Monday Nitro, <clears throat> WCW in the year 2000 is one of the most interesting, just fucked up periods in professional wrestling. Yes, because one, that company lost $66 million. 62, but yes, $62 million. Sorry, I was off for How much money did they make, by the way, in like 97? Wasn't it like 100 plus million? Yeah, something insane. And then in 2000, since they felt like their business was fleeting, they decided to unintentionally make it worse. Yeah. So to summarize quickly, and they explain this in the documentary, but it's better if we just do this now other than working through it. They hired a man named Vince Russo. Who's Vince Russo, you ask? Well, uh, he came up with the Crash TV concept that helped propel WWF to popularity in the, uh, let's just say, early 97. Well, so in 98 to 90, so he was working in, um, obviously was working yeah. in WWF in 97. 98, I think, is when his actual, he took head rider and was like actually making the show yeah now obviously a lot of it was more of his work on the under like the under part of the show which i'm sure you're going through review yeah yeah those shows aren't great no but, there's great moments but you know what made the shows great the overall arcing plot of stone cold and vince mcmahon yes where vince mcmahon will try to like fuck with stone cold but then get foiled by the end of the show the greatest feud in wrestling history so and and luckily Vince Russo had the mind of Vince McMahon to help filter and like kind of like work on that. Now it's well, Vince Russo then now went to work at WCW unfiltered. Yeah, just basically wrote absurdish, just terrible television. And it's interesting that you mentioned the head writer because and he talks about Crash TV. Yeah, because he gets hired under the intent because he's able to make a career or build a legacy off of. Yeah, I wrote for the Attitude Era in its peak, and I, he and I, he. He usually doesn't say this directly, but he's he 
tr- he essentially takes credit for I created Stone Cold Steve Austin or helped. I created propel. Stone Cold Steve Austin. And oh yeah, right. I've heard him say, bro, when like yeah. after he like won won King of the Ring, I was part of the magazine, the WWF magazine, bro. Yeah. And I put With, Stone Cold yeah. on the cover, and like I had Stone Cold in his vest and his jeans, and I wrote down Stone Cold Steve Austin three sixteen. Yeah. And like, but like, depending on who you ask, be it Jim Cornette or other journalists or insiders, you know, everyone, there's a while lot of he people. had a lot of stroke. He was not, there's a case to be made. He wasn't the head writer. Rather, he just worked the most and had a, and had a lot of the ideas, but he but was there still was also, with a know, writing committee. Yeah. He was also, there was also Jim Cornette. There was also, yeah. you know, Jim Ross. Yeah. And all those heads try to like, you know, push for like Stone Patterson Cold. worked with creative. Uh, yes. So did Briscoe. Vince McMahon, of course. I think there was a bigger machine that like yeah, Vince yeah. Russo was a part of. It was a crew of like 10 people. But but did Russo like did Russo create the Crash TV concept? That yes. is true. Now, but when he went to WCW, he then became a personality on the show. Yeah, and he if sure there's did. one thing about Vince Russo, his writing sucks. But he is such a personality. Yes. He is such a character. He genuinely cuts a good promo. And if he would have just, if he could still write the shit. But like, if he didn't write it in the way he did, he totally could have been Bro, like an is- on character, like evil heel manager. Cause you know who did that? Jim Cornette did that in his own promotion. Yeah. He was a creative, but he, and he was an on screen character. The difference is he didn't try to expose the business. But hey, you know, with his writing business, trying to like, I'm trying to blend reality with fiction, bro. I've often said Vince Russo is like a postmodern wrestling writer because he has these beliefs of like, okay, we need characters and we need to blur the lines. Yeah, but but he also doesn't want to do cartoons. He didn't want a Hulk Hogan. Bro, he character. doesn't want to make characters actually developed. He just yeah, wants yeah, yeah. just like. Big explosion bang like moments and yeah. then on to the next. He's big all about shades bang. of gray and faces and heels don't matter, which is interesting because today you could be argued in some wrestling like things. There's sometimes not set faces and heels, you know, like, like when we saw PWG recently and Bandito randomly played heel. But for the last like three years, he's like the most cheerable man in the world. Yeah. You know, stuff like that, Yeah, you know, and, and you know, shades of gray and all that. That's a popularized concept. Here's the key, though, before we get into this. Yeah. 90% of it was terrible, the WCW stuff. Yes. And even then, you could say 80% of the shit was terrible in WWF. WWF made it because of Rock, Stone Cold, Taker, McMahon. Mick, yeah. And then eventually Triple H. Yeah, there was a lot of politicking involved, but people did like him, you know? So it's it's a whole, yeah. It is a whole thing. It's a whole thing. There's a lot to it that cannot be wrapped up in like five minutes and, or 10 minutes. And we didn't really go into Bischoff. We'll do that more as we get into it. But We have I, a whole show. We, we can always break off. I, I didn't even write this as Dark Side of the Ring or Bash of the Beach. I literally wrote this as Russo v. Bischoff. Basically... We start off with like a montage of like WCW mishaps and moments. Oh, did we literally open like the moment where they were supposed to dump blood on Kevin Nash, but Kevin Nash missed the cue spot. Yeah, he's, he's, just, like, just, he's just looking at yeah, it. Yeah, the blood just pours down and Kevin Nash just looks over and is like, oh, well, someone fucked up here. And they paint the picture of how WWF at this point in the year 2000, slightly before Russo Bro, gets 2000 there. 2000 was, was a golden year. For WWF and they yeah. are just gloriously kicking WCW's ass and how in the they make it sound like and I'm not saying this is incorrect because I don't know maybe it is maybe it was but they said they made it sound like their WCW's future hinged 
on Bash at the Beach and it doing well. Because okay. it was it was <laughs> Okay. It was like one of the oldest pay-per-views they uh shows they had besides like, you know, Starcade, but uh and literally, like I said, this episode this episode says about this event and how it killed the company in history and all that. And, it, and they kind of talk about it, but really this is just Vince Russo arguing with Eric Bischoff and Dave Meltzer's here. Bro, dude, how did this open? We start with Russo saying the first words spoken that aren't narration are by Vince Russo. And he says, I despise the wrestling business, bro. You cannot be a good person and exist in the wrestling business. It is like entering a shock tank. Unless you become a shark, bro, you will get eaten up. That is that is the primer for this episode. That is how we begin. Like like this is all this episode just proposed. It's like, hey, let's just have a fun episode where we just have a wacky Vince Russo. Yeah. And so Russo, you know, gives some backstory on himself. We see clips of him in WCW, including him with the world title. We're like, I have a question. Who's the world champion? And he goes, Question. Question. I'm the one with the belt. I'm the one with the belt, Tanae. And he just looks like I'm such a smug champion. asshole. Yeah. And then Dave Meltzer on. They asked Dave Meltzer the question. So do you think Russo... Well, let me do it how they did. So do you think Russo did more harm or good to the wrestling business? Dave Meltzer inhales. He closes his eyes. <sighs> and he goes... Um... Um... Harm. 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 A lot more harm. I'd say he did. Harm, harm, harm. Long, long term harm. Yeah. Long term yeah. harm. Yeah. Yeah. Harm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not us roasting him like other people do that. No, you got to understand. That's how he talks and it yeah. gets worse as he gets older. Yes. You ever hear Dave like, and I'm not just talking about on the show with his glorious mullet. I mean, like old wrestling observers in like the early 2000s. Like, teenage, dude, he's like lightning quick. He's still going like, yeah, well, you know, this, that, this, that, you know, this, that. But now it's just, um, yeah. So they, uh. It's interesting. Maybe he just got old. So at this point in history, the doc tells us WF had come out on top of WCW and how, but WCW beat them for a while. WF was on top for all the eighties, but then even with at their dirt worst terrible because it's because WCW and any other competition there could have been in the West either didn't have TV or in WCW's case was actually worse maybe than WF was at the time. But, they brought, but in comes Eric Bischoff. He says his goal is to be different. And and again, I want to reiterate, like we did in our Bret Hart video uh, audios, this was Eric Bischoff versus Vince McMahon, not Ted Turner. He yes. was the one who made wrestling go live because WWF was all taped at the time. <clears throat> Sorry, taped ahead of time and edited and posted whatever. So I, I made it go live. Yeah, I, they I, didn't. They didn't touch at all about his history with Vern Gagne, which I found then, unfortunate. But whatever. And then there was Mo. He's talking about like, and then then like Hulk Hogan felt a little complacent mm-hmm. and wanted to leave WWE, and I got Hulk Hogan in WCW. Yeah, and then he, and then we had him hanging around because I at that time I thought Hogan was pro wrestling, and where yeah. Hogan goes is where the money goes. And then I heard that Scott Hall wanted to leave. That and, was like four years later. Well, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, there were there was four years of people in WCW mostly not liking. I don't know how quickly they turned on him, but by the time the '97 stuff happens, he was mostly getting booed. Like people was like, "Dude, we don't give a fuck about Hulkamania." I think the first this two years like he was corny. cheered. Yeah, but then it's just like 
obviously Bischoff seeing factions or like suspense of disbelief. I know just like randomly just getting, oh yeah, Diamond Dallas Page, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's di- like, yeah, DDP. Diamond Gutter. Yeah, DDP asks him about, uh, uh, he, hey, Bischoff says he tells him how Scott Hall wants to leave. Yeah, Scott Hall wants to leave WWE, WWF and want to come over. And he's like, hmm. And then what happens next? Kevin Nash week later. And Eric's like, there's my story. Yeah. Was to have the outsiders randomly come in, which in a sense was like, well, that's kind of sick because he like, you literally yeah. just had Skull come in. Like there was a match going on and they just kind of stopped and he just kind of was like, you know who I am. You know why I'm here, but you don't know why I'm here. Yeah. I don't think you think this is the same. Pro- I think the same pro is like, that's where we get the whole, you want a war? You're going to get one. You want a war? You're good. I get one. Scott Hall had a great voice. Um, and yeah, so then WWF. Okay, so they, they don't even say NWO. I mean, we know if you're watching, yes, you know, know the NWO happens. Yes, and obviously when the NWO happens, then WCW has a boom year. But then they, they have great business. Yeah, but then they jump to 82 weeks. How long is that? Well, when did they when did they turn around? 98, right? Or was 98 it 98 is when they started to climb. 99 was a rough year and they lost like some money. Well, what, 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 and that's what year when they brought it? in Vince Russo, bro, because they yeah. heard it's like, oh, head writer and like someone that brought in the Attitude Era of WWF. Yeah. Oh, this must be a hot commodity. We have to get him. Because basically what happens is I forget what year it is that um, I forget what year it is that WWF finally overtakes Nitro. 98. 98. OK. It's uh, literally when Stoke Cold won at WrestleMania. Right. OK. He beat Shawn Michaels. Because what happens is um, WWF gets good, you guys. Partially under Vince Russo, or not under, but with Vince Russo. So it's, Russo talks about how he, how when I talk to Vince, because he always talks to Mc, refers to McMahon as Vince. We, I told him we're throwing out the wrestling handbook. They think we're gonna go left, we're gonna go right. We're gonna crash go, TV, crash TV, bro. It's like the viewer. It's like the viewers there sitting at home with the remote begging me to give them an opportunity to change the uh, to the other channel but we're not going to give them that chance short match vignette boom short match backstage fight short match vignette and you know what honestly i never heard i'd heard him talk about crash tv i never heard him actually explain his thought process on it sound strategy and it worked it actually sounds like man this guy sounds like he could get a plan together problem is he only knows how to do it one way yeah melter back he says <laughs> and Meltzer's like yeah you know I don't want to diminish Russo's accomplishments but okay he doesn't say this but he's basically like they had Stone Cold and The Rock come on now it's like <laughs> they had Stone Cold they had The Rock yeah and they had Vince McMahon they had Vince McMahon yeah yeah he even he name it. drops him yeah it's like they literally it's like you had Stone Cold and Vince feuding and The Rock was just Vince's actual like person that they can use wrestle Stone Cold and it's yeah. also, you know, Dwayne Johnson is also, you know, a charismatic person, too. Who they beat all the time, but was still over. Yeah. That's the craziest thing about going through the Monday Night Wars. He lost all the time. He got shittier. He got built up sh- shittierly than some wrestlers do today. But he was still eight times as over as anyone. Yep. So then, and it, man, the, the Monday Night Wars are such an interesting domino effect of random events because what happens is Bischoff gets fired at WCW. Yes, because it just felt like business was bad and they lost like, what, 
like five million dollars or yeah. something. It was close. It was right yeah. there. It was like it was a seven digit number. Yes. And Russo, on the other hand, with the F, he's overworked and frustrated. And this is actually kind of shitty. He's like, bro, I'm overworked. <laughs> I'm frustrated. And, and then, then they decided to make another show SmackDown. And, but they didn't want to give him they didn't want to give him a raise. But they wanted him to write both shows. It was like, hey, can, it was like this is the part where Russo was like, I walked in into Vince's office, bro, and I was going to ask for a raise. Since now I'm being worked so much, I wanted to move my family closer to my wife's mother, so at least that she can help her raise our children, bro. And Vince McMahon says, "You make enough money to hire a nanny. Hey, you make enough money to hire a nanny." Not gonna lie, that's kind of shitty. Yeah, no. But what's the thing? No, I'll let you take this Russo rant. Okay. I was like, he's like, like ask me. I'll be Vince. Okay. Um, it's like okay. Um, Vince, I need. Uh, can I please have a raise? I need to move my wife closer to her family because I'm not home, and and so she needs help raising the kids, Vince. And then I will not do a Vince McMahon voice, but I will just go like, uh, you make enough money to hire a nanny. What was his response? What was Russo's response? You do not tell a proud Italian father. I mean, I didn't even write the rest. That was the best part. Bro, what? Oh, dude, he was literally just going well, like. We'd already paused and rewound like five times. So, so. Uh, okay, fine. I'll continue Russo. Oh, you remember it? Uh, I was like, oh, it's like at that moment, it's like you do not tell a proud Italian, Italian father. father to hire a oh, yeah. nanny. That's what it was. Yeah. You do not tell a proud Italian father to hire a nanny, bro. So at that moment, I quit the company. <laughs> and I knew when I got to, I'm not even reading for my notes anymore, but this is what happens. I knew when I went to WCW, I was have there was a target on my, my back. back. Bro. Vince Russo does this thing where he doesn't need to slow down because he's actually a pretty articulate man, but he feels the need to be extra articulate because you see, bro, he talks like this because you ever notice when Vince Russo talks, he uses his entire mouth and jaw when he talks. He feels the need to throw in pauses and use exasperated hand movements. My, That's my right, Vince Russo bro. voice is too good. That's right, bro. I, you do not tell a proud Italian <laughs> father, bro. Did Tony Khan really say his life was, was in, in danger? danger? I'm sorry, everybody. All right, moving so on. Russo says, so, after, so Russo <laughs> leaves WWF and is then picked up by WCW. WCW. So he and so started the reason, work in October in 99. So the reason why he thinks there's a target on his back is basically butting heads with the old people that have been there forever, but specifically because so Hogan I came in and it's like Hulk Hogan and all these <laughs> old people. And I was like, we do not need them, bro. We yeah. need to get fresh, young, young heads. heads. Uh, specifically, he knows he notes how Bischoff and Hogan are, are really tight. Russo says, I remember the first time I locked eyes with Hulk Hogan. I saw distrust in his eyes at I me. I saw distrust. Technically, if that's true, Hulk was right. <laughs> that's the funny part. Eric is like, 
you know, everyone's talking about how old, how old Hogan is at this point, how he's not too good for business or whatever. But the truth is on the business side of things, he was good for business. He was good for business. I don't know what that means. Did he mean like as a businessman or the fact that Hulk Hogan's name was still some money? Still some money, maybe also good in negotiating deals. So then, you know, there was, I'm sure there was a lot of variables into that uh, statement. So then Russo changes the format, starts making it more extreme and shit. He does his crafty thing of sex, shock, lots of violence towards women. And then we we got a clip of of um, a very familiar face saying a very quotable line. You remember? Ray. Oh, my God. This is the part. Yeah, this we were just seeing random clips. We were seeing like we see people being mud someone. wrestling. Yeah, humping. mud wrestling in the dirt. And then we see a, a famous promo with Rey Mysterio. And this was when Rey Mysterio was wasn't wearing the mask anymore. Seeing him this, is, mask. this is when he was part of the filthy animals. Yeah. And then thus having to cut a promo like he's a filthy animal. He's like, you hear we're going to hump you like the dogs we are. I always hear stories Ray hated that whole thing, but God, he put so much effort into the gyration. Hey, it's not like he had Tori Wilson like there too. <laughs> Part of the filthy animal. Oh God, that's right. That was her in it. That's right. I forgot. I thought she. I I thought she was. For some reason, I always think Wilson was part of like Scott Steiner's entourage. No, no, she was with Billy Kidman. Kidman. Yeah. Billy Kidman, you piece, you piece of shit, Kidman. <laughs> I wish they had audio of Hulk Hogan calling Billy Kidman a, a piece of shit. They didn't even mention their feud. Yeah, which was terrible. Well, yeah, it was terrible, but so was everything else. And then Eric is just like, I didn't know what was going on at the time. I didn't watch that shit. No, I didn't watch that shit. I was out of the company. Russo says ratings were up. Dave Meltzer says ratings were down. It was like, <laughs> ratings, like, were, ratings up. were up when I was there. Dave Meltzer says, if you look at the in between the number, I, I always forget like, his ratings. Well, yeah, stock. there was like some artificial like gains. But then when you look at like the month to month, yeah, it kept dropping. And especially compared to like year over year. Dave Meltzer, Dave Meltzer and his relationship with ratings is an interesting is an interesting history because whenever Meltzer has detractors, it's the first thing he, that people go for. There's a Twitter account called like Dave Meltzer versus Numbers, and it's just it's it's, it's a running it's a running it's a running history. So maybe Dave's bad at math, or maybe or maybe people are. I don't know. Pretty anal on Dave Meltzer. People are really anal on Dave Meltzer. Have you spit on his Twitter? Bro, <laughs> we have someone that's anal. He's on responding. We have to a, dude, Mr. Hot or Not is always oh, anal dude. on Dave Meltzer. Dave like, Meltzer spends all day arguing with people that have less followers than me. Yeah. Uh, so then they, so then they fire. Okay, they kind of fire Russo. No, they do fire Russo, don't they? Isn't that what so it is? It was like a moment they fire Russo, and this is when there was no Bischoff, there was no Russo. I think at this time period that they were talking about, it was Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan, yeah. He was promoting, and it was a little bit or and also fucking what's his name? Oh, people power. Oh, oh yeah, John Laurinaitis. Yeah, so this is when Kevin Sullivan, John Laurinaitis. Yeah, and there was just like sitting there because like I don't know if you got to the point of review, but you remember hearing it's like, oh yeah. This is right now. They're just doing random like all Japan style matches right now. Yes, I am. At the, I'm. I'm a little past. I'm about a month. So that maybe. Period. Yeah, I'm about maybe a month or so like, removed from. Bash but then the in beach. like 2000, then they have the hard reset episode where Bischoff and Russo came in, and that's when you have Russo go like, "We we came back, and I wanted to set up a Millionaires Club versus the New Blood, bro." Yeah. Oh God! Double. Oh oh yeah. So then and and then now. So then. Fucking 
Turner management's idea was, hmm, we fired Eric because he was, we felt business was diminishing. Yeah. We are firing, we are currently firing Vince Russo. Let's bring him back and put him together. Let's bring him back, put him together. Hey, fuck Kevin Sullivan, I guess. Yeah. So then Double J, Jeff Jarrett on. And his words of wisdom are, he felt that the two of them are two very different types of bookers. Yes. Lance. They were like the opposite. Lance Storm <laughs> is on. Opposite yeah. personalities. Lance Storm is on. And honestly, he didn't really contribute much to this except for saying some funny things like yeah, how. Literally, f- Lance Storm and Jeff Jarrett were just basically pieces actually describing. Yeah. The events of actually the consequence of dealing being part of the consequences of those of both of Vince Russo yeah. and Eric Bischoff. And it's interesting because uh Lance Storm not so much, but from what I could tell, Jeff Sherrod is still at least on sociable terms with, you know, Russo and Bischoff. So like Jeff Sherrod actually doesn't have that many enemies in the wrestling business, it sounds like. But um what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, and then Lance Storm on, he says, one of the first things that Russo had for an idea for me for, he took one look at me and he said, I have an idea. Uh, let's make you Bischoff's illegitimate son. And he's like, Eric's like 10 years older than me. How would that work? And then like, even um, Eric was like, no, that's dumb. That is dumb. And then Russo and then Russo reiterates what Jeff said. We are the most opposite souls in the universe. Or he says they something like literally that. put us together and just said go. Does that mean that technically Vince Russo worked better with Jim Cornette than Eric Bischoff? I don't know, bro. <laughs> Those two are some soulmates. So narration says Russo's idea was let's play on real drama backstage and push young stars. That's how we get the new blood and the millionaires club. Yeah, but which, they did it like such a, a hard way yeah. that people was like, yeah, no, I don't believe Billy Kidman can actually beat Hulk Hogan's ass. So you see everybody to summarize really quick. In Especially case you don't with know. Hulk Hogan, like in storyline, beating Billy Kidman's ass all over the place. Yeah, because and Russo actually, he, not about that directly, but touches on the nature of that in a bit. But like to just to clue you all in, the millionaires were all the old heads. They were all rich and shit. And then they, yeah, they meet- call them the millionaires club. You had Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. You had Hulk Hogan. You had Sting. Yeah. You had... Hulk Hogan was there. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Was Steiner a millionaire? No, he was part of New Blood. Okay, for some reason I thought he was. That's right, because he was I'm an... i a- fuck. Who was it? Lex Luger. Luger. Yeah, there we go. Let's just say, all right, you had Diamond Dallas Page. You had Lex Luger. You had Sting. And you had Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And then Bro. with and then with new blood, you had you know you had guys like you had Booker T, you had Billy Kidman. Was Booker T? Well, I thought so. Well, I know it was like wow. Shane Douglas, Billy Kidman, and then fuck, we're not gonna look up new blood. No, we're not. I, but the point I'm getting at is that so at this point you would think, oh, okay, well that makes sense. The old guys would be the bad guys, right? No, every time I I look up this Monday Night War stuff, the old millionaires that were keeping the younger people down were the baby faces. Yeah. Or maybe they were baby faces booked and that was just booked horrible. Or maybe the crowd unironically gave more of a shit about them. Yeah. Anyway, the point I'm getting at is, is that Russo. So Russo says it was doomed from the beginning. Eric says that at this point, the show sucks. And Russo says Eric just wanted to run the show, but 
Eric just wanted to have control and run the show. So himself, I called bro. up Bill Bush or whoever. Brad Siegel. Brad Siegel. I called up Brad Siegel, bro. And I was and they were telling me, no, Russo, we want you to run the show, bro. Yeah. If you, if you do not like Vince Russo impressions, this is not the episode for you. So he poses. Uh, so they're putting together Bash at the Beach. And specifically, they're on the subject, world champion. He poses the question. If you could put the belt on uh, the WCW title on one person, who would it be? And then Vince Russo is like, around <coughs> the table, everyone was saying, Booker T, Booker T, Booker T, but there was one person I know did not feel like Booker T should be world champion, and that was Hulk Hogan, bro. See, that's what he says. And then what happened? Then we learn from this. See, so Jeff Jarrett's champ at the time, been champ a few months. You know, the chosen one with all yeah, the strokes. This is what slap Jeff Jarrett was like. I'm the chosen one. I have the stroke around here. Slap nuts. And like, I really genuinely think AEW Jeff Jarrett's best. Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Um, and like. And uh, where am I? Oh yeah, so and he's reciprocal of the idea, but Vince Russo has one more idea. He wants Jarrett to like get one more victory before he uh, uh, before he drops the title. So he wants Jeff Jarrett to beat Hulk Hogan. So he comes up with this plan. He wants uh, Hogan to beat on Jarrett, look strong, but he's not going to win. Uh, sorry for the world title match. Yeah. Um, He's like, first, just like, yeah, you beat like Jarrett, but then Jarrett ekes out a win and stuff, but you still look strong, Hulkster. And Hulk, yeah. and then supposedly Bruce is like, but then Hulk Hogan didn't like that. So then I rewrote it where like Hulk Hogan would be like King Kong, bro. He will beat up on Jarrett. He will beat up on Steiner. Yeah, Scott Steiner. Yeah. And then like, but Hulk Hogan would not win the match, bro. And like Hogan agreed to it. But then the day of the show happened, bro. I'll let you take over. <laughs> he says, oh, man. So then, and so Hogan at the time is good with this, he says. Day of the show, Russo goes to the bash, thinks everything's all hunky-dory. Like, literally, we see a shot of, like, the portrayed actors walking, and then you just see, like, portrayed Eric Bischoff coming oh up God. to, like, Russo. And I was like, Russo, you need to get meet us in the trailer now. Dude. I the acted segments on this show were so funny. Yeah, they were playing this shit up like it was a mafia movie with all the bright colors and shit. It's nothing different than they normally do, but with the actor that played Russo with his hair and jawline, he was looking like fucking Al Pacino in some shots yeah. and shit. It oh, was bro, I want this Al Pacino looking guy representing me, bro, because I'm a hot Italian male. <sighs> so then. Eric goes to Russo. Hey, man, Hogan's. You got to go talk to Hogan. He's not feeling. He doesn't say this, but he's like, he's not feeling it. He's not feeling this finish that we. Came I up. went to the trailer. It's me, Eric, and Hogan in there. So if you want to analyze it, it was a two-on-one it's situation. It's basically two-on-one, bro. I'm at a disadvantage. Eric's and then Eric this whole time is like saying how this is so stupid. Hogan has creative control over everything and I'm still so, the boss and I didn't approve anything. Yeah. And so I guess Hogan didn't want to do that. And then just like sitting there talking to trailer is like, bro, they're trying to tell me where Hogan's going to walk away with the title. It's going in one ear. It's going in my left ear. I'm listening, bro. But then the right side of my brain is trying to figure out a way how I'm going to get Booker T as champion, bro. And you know what no one brings up this whole time 
even though it's abundantly obvious? Why have Jared fight Hogan in the first place if you knew he was going to probably do something like this? You had him job out to Billy Kidman for like two months. Well, they seem like they had like a good story, I guess enough, where I guess they have the schmoss, Hogan leaves, yeah. and then there's like, we were going to hold a tournament up to Halloween Havoc, and then in the finals, Hulk Hogan, Hogan comes come, back. And yeah. he's like, nah, 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 Jack. I'm the real world champion. By the way, all this headache was happening when the show was starting in an hour. Yes. So Russo goes to Jeff, right? And so here's the and thing. Russo just explains to Jeff the situation. You yeah. gotta lay down, bro. Hulk Hogan, your guys aren't even gonna have a match, bro. That deserves a tiny bit of clarification. You see, Russo, Bischoff, and Hogan know this is a worked shoot. They know it's a plan. All Russo tells uh, Jarrett is that Hogan's flexing his creative control clause. He doesn't want to do the job. Just lie down for him. And so he's trying to like work Jeff Jarrett almost. And then, <coughs> excuse me. And then you have Lance Storm going like, wait, what? This is dumb. Yeah, this is dumb. And then like just sitting there because like that's thing no one knew except like Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, and Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett has an existential crisis over this. He's like, what do I do? He's like, he's I, like, everyone loses with this. Do I really want to do this? Do I have to do this? Do I, have do I do really this? want to do this? Can I even yeah, do Jeff this? Jeff Jarrett's like, I had come from like three generation of like wrestling promoters. My family taught it, me that in wrestling, your true boss is the fans. Your true boss is the fans. And if you confuse them, you lose them. Yeah. And he actually, they play his music for the match. He delays going out by for a few minutes because apparently he's in the tunnel just thinking, racking his brain, trying to figure out if he really wants to do this. He's even taught, he's, he said at the time, he's tempted to like take matters into his own hands because he was so, and like just walk out and leave because he was so disgusted with how, with how it was happening. Like absolutely disgusted. So then match happens. <laughs> the match. The match. It's literally that you they have him walk in the ring, they ring the bell, and you just have Vince Russo just go like, Jeff Jarrett, you gotta lay down. Hogan wants that. And everyone's going like, what's going on? And basically Jeff Jarrett just lays down. And then like you have Vince Russo yelling out Hulk Hogan to cover Jarrett, throws the belt in the ring and stuff, and everyone's going, huh? What? Hogan leaves. Hogan just puts his foot on Jeff Jarrett. One, two, three, and then Hogan leaves. No, yeah, no, no. And like, I say first, Jeff Jarrett just gets up. Yeah, he and dies. Leaves. Yeah, yeah. He rolls out, walks off, just immediately leaves, and then Hulk Hogan leaves the building with Eric. They no, get Hogan him. cuts the promo. It's like oh, yeah. bullshit. Like this is the reason why the company is dying. Yeah, he said he has the fucking temerity to say that. Yeah, and so Hogan and Eric leave the building. They get they get in the limo. They get on the plane. According to Eric, they were literally cracking beers and high-fiving people. I think they're friends. I think Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan might be friends. But then Vince Russo cuts the promo. Yeah, cuts the promo. The that promo, TM. So Vince Russo comes out, and he's supposed to cut a promo about the whole situation. Since their idea is like, oh, we have to blend with like truth with reality. So What's real, what's not? So I didn't write the promo down, but I did <sighs> find a transcript of the promo. Because I thought that'd make my life easier. Damn. Do you want me? Do you want Dude, me? You're, to, it's all you. Do you okay. You no, know, you gotta say how Vince Russo said it. Bro, I walked up. I didn't even think or pre-plan it. Yeah. I just know you what see, my bullet was. What you have to understand is 
I am, when I cut a promo, I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. I, what's going to come out of my mouth. I have my character and I'm playing it to the best of my ability. She says something like that. Yeah. And then, okay, this is long. So do you want, do you want me to do this whole thing or just like the juicy bits? Just go. Okay. When you get tired, tell me to stop. There's only one way for me to do this. And that's to tell it like it is. Three weeks ago, I left WCW. This way he slouches over the top rope. Three weeks ago, I left WCW. And quite frankly, I don't know if I was going to come back. And the reason I didn't know is because from day one, I've done nothing but deal with the bullshit of the politics behind that curtain. The fact of the matter is I have a wife. I have three kids at home and I really don't need this shit. Yeah, totally burying his company. But let me tell you why I did come back. I came back for every one of the guys in the locker room that week in, week out, bust their ass for WCW. And then it says in the transcript, medium pop. I came back for the book of T's. I came back for the filthy animals. I came back for Jared. I came back for the guys behind that curtain that give a shit about this company. And let me tell you who doesn't give a shit about this company. That goddamn politician Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you people what happened in this ring tonight. All day long for an hour. But all day long... Actually, maybe half an hour. I'm playing politics with Hulk Hogan because tonight Hulk Hogan wants to play his creative control card. And to him, that means that in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he would beat Jeff Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt. And he went the hell home. And I promise everyone, you will never see that piece of shit again. He was right. Yep. Well, in WCW. I also, I sat out there with people just like you. I know you pay good money to come here tonight. And nobody's going to be ripped off tonight. That's hilarious. So Hulk Hogan now has the WCW belt. So Hulk Hogan, sorry. And Hulk, let's refer to that belt as the Hulk Hogan Memorial Belt. Because from here on in, that belt don't mean shit. Because there will be a new WCW belt. And as far as I'm concerned, that belt still belongs to the one guy who busts his ass week in, week out in the middle of the ring. And you guys can love him or hate him, but that guy doesn't screw anybody back there. And that's Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett is still the official WCW champion. And he will defend that title in this ring tonight. He will defend that title against the son of a bitch who for 14 years has been busting his ass in WCW and can't get a goddamn break because of the Hulk Hogan's. I'm talking about Booker T. Booker T and Jeff Jarrett are the two reasons why I'm in this business to begin with. Uh, tonight in the ring, two deserving guys, Jeff Jarrett and Booker T, will com- <laughs> compete and they'll tear this house down. And Hogan, here it comes, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass. End scene. I'm lightheaded. Well, either way, so taking it off from there. Well, either way, you wanted me to read it. <laughs> no, no. So continuing on from <laughs> from like this, so what the documentary. Documentary presented. Yeah, no, go for it. So as the fucking oh damn, I'm like lost. So yeah, as the document. What? Do you want my notes? No. Okay. I want to be interrupted. 
I'm getting fucked up right now. Ah, so at this time, everything was supposed to go as planned. I'm just gonna like, I don't even know what the doc where the documentary said what was going on, but at the time period, it was all working well. Till Vince Russo called Hogan a big ball bastard. Now you may be asking, and yourself. that's when Hulk Hogan was like, "Yeah, I'm not returning." Now you may be asking, and like yourself. actually in the documentary, this is when like Bischoff was like, "So yeah, after me and Hulk landed down after th- after like 30 minutes, our phones are just getting blown up as we just saw we just heard about this scathing promo that like was talking shit about Hulk Hogan." Now, continuing on from there. It's funny because Vince Russo makes a comment where he's like, I was filled with emotion and passion that night. And I guess he saw people online or whatever telling him like, oh, man, that's awesome, whatever. So, yeah, what you said happens. Uh, Eric says that because Russo is trying to say, I told them everything I was going to say. Basically, he scripted it out. And Eric is like, no, that's he's being a pathological liar. Hogan calls into a radio show, buries Russo, says he's world champion. He's going to pursue legal action because you see he wants to he wants to commit a character defamation lawsuit because if you don't know the story, Hulk Hogan is, in fact, a bald man. Yes. He does not like being called bald. Yes. It is no matter. It was written into his. I don't know if it was written into his contract, but his big rule was never comment on the baldness in WWF, uh, WCW, whatever. And he wants to take Vince Russo to court. For character defamation because of that. <laughs> yep. And so we, <coughs> sorry, my throat's all scratchy. So then after that, yeah, no. So I, I want to reiterate, they get taken to court, which costs them, you know, a shit ton of money. Yes. And everyone in the back is pissed at Russo. Mm-hmm. And Russo says, Russo says that it was a character cutting a promo on a character, Vince Russo on Hulk Hogan. I was not cutting that promo on Terry Bollea. I was not cutting that promo on Terry Bollea. And he says, I was cutting that promo on Hulk Hogan, the character. Yeah. While I was being the character of Vince Russo, bro. And Russo says, oh, the first judge we we, we took it to laughed, laughed it off and threw it out. And Eric says, that's delusional. There was no first judge. We only took it to one. They, it was only taken to one judge, I thought he said. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, what? And then on top of that, after WCW office is closed, Bischoff, no, sorry, Hogan sends a fax basically saying that, you know, he's going to pursue legal action. No, sorry, that the finish of the match wasn't going to work for him, basically, before Bash of the Beach. And Vince is like, well, I never knew about that fax. I never knew about that fax, bro. He sent that on Labor Day weekend. No one was in the office, bro. I did not get that fax. Eric says that's impossible. And then Meltzer says, I never heard a story about a fax. Yeah. So it's like, fuck, who do you believe? So then Vince wins it. So Vince actually wins the court case. <clears throat> but Hogan's the one that really wins because now he's trying to get out of his contract yep. for a full payout. And Eric says that he doesn't he he was never told what the exact number is, which is bullshit because he's friends with Hulk Hogan, so he probably doesn't know. But he does say it was seven figures. And then <clears throat> 
And then Meltzer comments about Hogan at that period saying how, you know, oh, you know, he, you know, he at that time he couldn't draw reins as much anymore. He was the face of failure. Been there too long. Been there too long. Kind of the face of failure. And I guess Vince Russo putting the title on Booker T was something different. Yeah, that's what he said. He says, yeah, it was different. But that's cool. Yeah, Meltzer's face just said the show was terrible. So anything, just something different. Might have just helped. Bischoff calls Dave Meltzer a scumbag. Oh, yeah. This is the part where he's just like, and then you just have scumbag journalists like Dave Meltzer. He calls the, him a useful idiot. A freaking useful. Wait, useful or useless? Idiot? I swear I thought he said useful. A useful <laughs> idiot, which I'm like, what does we, that mean? Yeah, we pivoted for Bischoff that just hating on Vince Russo goes on to this real rivalry of like Dave Meltzer. Yeah. It's funny because like, if you look at like wrestling history, like, you know, Russo, Russo and, and Bischoff like butted heads like a little bit, said some things at each other. But really, <clears throat> Bischoff's real rival is Meltzer and Russo's real rival is Cornette. Yeah. But this documentary would have you believe that they are just blood rivals. Yeah. But like the real blood rivals, Bischoff and Dave Meltzer. Yeah. Especially he's just like literally take the bow, but it's like and it's scumbag journal. <laughs> well, I just want to do like a Russo voice. He's like scumbag. Scumb- no, no. Russo's thing was saying a punk mock busta. Punk mock busta. And also he called people yak horns or something. I don't know. Yak horns. Um, but then, so my fucking nose keeps scrolling up. But then, yeah, Hogan gets seven figures, and then Hogan gets payout. He gets the a company pay- dies. Only Hulk Hogan could like, you know, have a year that sucks that hard and walk away making a fat net profit. So basically, the documentary is wrapping up at this point. Jeff Wax is philosophical for a while. I. So I didn't get everything he said, but he's basically like talking about what's it all for? What was the whole thing? I think he feels like Hogan kind of screwed everyone over. Um, he says, Meltzer. Well, basically, that night did no one favors. Yeah. It just put more, just another nail on the coffin of a dying company. And it's at that point, like, I don't know exactly what Jeff Jarrett said. So No, that, that, that was pretty much what it was. Meltzer then says, you know, they say it was a star, turned into a supernova. Then it burned out. Yeah. Eric attempted to buy WCW. Which is true. Yeah. They all try attempted to buy or try to get buyers for it. But eventually it was, no, we're ending this. We're going to end this now. Because weren't they offering like 60 some million dollars or something to buy it? At first. At first. Yeah. But then eventually the company sold for like $4.2 million. Yep. And WWF bought that. And won the put, war and put use to their library and basically became more rich and went unchallenged for when they died 2001 they went unchallenged for 19 or 18 years yep fuck and then yeah and then you know and then double j he this is such a statement of where it's like he wants to say something mean but doesn't. Jeff Jarrett says Russo is passionate and does what he thinks the viewer wants to watch. He's had successes and failures like the rest of us. And Russo closes off with this shit doesn't matter, bro. Wrestling is a form of entertainment. It was a job for it me. W- it was a job for me, bro. And then that, then roll credits. And then That's he's the like end. sitting there and like, I have people coming up always ask me, how do I get in the wrestling business, bro? And I usually say, don't. don't. The end. And I was the like, the fucking end. Yep. 
Funny Doc, I'll be honest, I thought it would be a little more bombastic and funny, but I forgot it is Dark Side of the Ring, so they do take it as seriously as they can. Yeah. It's not like Dark Side of Football, where I felt like they were taking the piss out of me, especially with the Darth Lord of the Sith of Football. Fucking Bill Belichick. I almost said Braun Breaker. (laughs) But yeah, it's a good it's a good episode. Definitely. Even, so if you don't watch, even if you don't watch wrestling, I think you'll find humor in it. All right. So I think next week we should watch the other interesting Dark Side of the Ring. Want to watch the Marty Janetti? Marty Janetti. I was actually going to suggest that to you. Damn. Is that the first episode? No, that's like the last episode. Oh, I thought this was the last one. No. Yeah, sure. All right. Next week, we're going to watch Marty Janetti. I don't yeah. think we're watching any other episodes from like the season of Dark Side of the Ring. So. Well, because we've watched almost we've watched pretty much almost all the old ones. So the only one we didn't really keep up with was season four. So, yeah, yeah, we'll cross that either way. Well, listeners, it's time for us to wrap up. This was the Triple D radio show with your host, James and Edward. And I hope you all have a good one. Have